Well, this month we are starting a new series, and we're going to kind of be doing this together as a church body. And it's called Enough, and it's based on the book by Adam Hamilton. So if you want to follow along kind of with the um, themes uh, uh, that we'll be preaching on each week and talking about, you can get that book on Amazon. It's like $8. Um, So I would encourage you to do that. I think there are a few Sunday school classes that are going through it together as well. Um, But the basic ideas that we want to cover this month have to do with faith and finance. And how do these two things interact as we enter into our stewardship season? And how can we think about how faith informs our finances and vice versa? How How do our finances reflect our faith? And so on and so forth. But mainly along the lines of simplicity, contentment, and generosity. Those three main areas. And so today, we're going to start by thinking about this idea from a general level. Enough. I want to start by telling a story. Once upon a time... If I can move this over here. Once upon a time... There was a pumpkin. (laughs) And his name was Mr. Pumpkin. I know, very creative. It took me a long time to think of that one. And Mr. Pumpkin grew up on a farm, as you might expect. And Mr. Pumpkin had a great life on the farm, and things were going well, until one day, one of his squash buddies, Mr. Squash, asked him, now, Mr. Pumpkin, are you a fruit or a vegetable? Mr. Pumpkin scratched his head and thought, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. And Mr. Pumpkin flew into an existential crisis and began to wonder, what am I really, a vegetable or a fruit? What makes a pumpkin a pumpkin? And so he set off into the city to try and find his answer. Well, he got to the city and realized that he needed uh, a way to survive, and so he got his first job. And he began working and trying to earn a living, but it was hard work and tough work. And he began asking around about, you know, what other people thought. Am I a vegetable or a fruit? What makes a pumpkin a pumpkin? These existential questions... But none of them were really concerned with that. They were just trying to make their money for the day and get what they needed to survive and and move on. So he decided, after he'd saved up enough money, that it was time for him to go to school and learn a little bit more and try to figure out the answers to his questions. And so he went to school. If I can get this to stay here. There. So, you know, he put on his thinking cap and he began to study and began to explore the philosophical uh, reaches of pumpkinhood. And he learned and he got his education, but he seemed to be more confused than ever about his existence and from whence he came and what he was all about and who he was supposed to be. He had not really found all of his answers. But... He had gotten his degree, and that allowed him to get a better job than what he had before. So, he put on his work shoes, 
and he went to work and worked hard and did well. And eventually those questions kind of began to drift into the back of his mind as the day-to-day work of his new job took precedence. And he worked hard and he actually began to make some money. And he did pretty well for himself, you know? But, alas, he became bored with his job. And he decided, you know what? Pumpkins, YOLO. You only live once, and he decided to party it up. He decided it was time to spend some of that money he'd made and to have a little fun. So, he traded out his glasses for some different ones here. Those don't stay on his head. Oh, sorry. Um, and so he decided to have some fun, and he was spending his money, and he was, he was making friends and influencing people and all sorts of good stuff. He was just throwing it out all over the place, just having a great time. And he spent his money on all sorts of stuff, trying to fill that need, and he bought himself a good car, nice fancy car. So he had all of this stuff around him. He had all of these friends, and he had all of this influence. But eventually the money started to run out a little bit. But he had to keep up this facade. He had to keep up this lifestyle. And so he started putting things on credit cards. Started putting things on in debt and eventually he didn't have anything left he'd completely forgotten where he had come from he'd forgotten who he was he put all this stuff around him and none of it made him any more of a pumpkin than what he was before Jesus said What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his life? In his pursuit of his own life, in order to save his own life, he did all these things and in the midst of it, lost who he really was. See, what Jesus was saying was that the pursuit of more and more and more, which leads you to the pursuit of more and more and more, actually leaves you empty. See, Jesus' way is one of self-emptying, of letting go. And in this story, Peter didn't understand that. Jesus tries to say to his disciples that he would undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and then on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen. But Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. Whew, those are harsh words. You are a stumbling block to me. I love the irony here. In the passage just before this, Peter 
Jesus had declared Peter the rock of his church, the, the foundation on which he would build his church, the cornerstone. And now that cornerstone has become a stumbling stone to Jesus. Because Peter, he says, was setting his mind not on God's things, but on human things. Peter was getting distracted by what he wanted. Wanting to see Israel restored, to see the Roman Empire overthrown. But that would have meant more of the same type of leadership. In order to overthrow Rome, it would have taken more violence and more bloodlust than it would have that put them there in the first place. So Jesus knew that was not going to be the way. Jesus, to this point in Matthew, had been trying to help the disciples understand who he was, that he really was the Christ. And Peter's confession right here, before this passage, kind of culminates that movement. But from this point forward, Jesus does a turn and says, okay, now that you understand that I am the Christ, now you need to find out what kind of Christ I am. That I am a Christ of self-emptying and of letting go. See, I think to follow Jesus means that we have to let go of more, more, more. And not because Jesus is so demanding and harsh, but because we need to be reminded who we are. Because more, more, more takes us down a path that leads us away from our very true selves, found in God. See, the dangerous thing about stuff is that it actually has the ability to change our perception of reality. The problem with stuff is that it has the ability to form our identity around it. We begin having to live into this rather than to who we truly are. When I was in high school, actually a little bit before high school, my dad um, and I restored a 66 Mustang. And it was a white 66 Mustang, 289 V8. It was beautiful. Uh, red interior. Uh, it was automatic, so it wasn't stick shift, but that's all right. Um, it was a fun car. I loved that car. And uh, once I got to college and it was done being restored and all that, I got to drive it a lot. And um, that car became part of my identity. It became part of who I was. That, that car, that Mustang... In, in some ways, determined the way that I behaved even, the way that I acted. It determined my own self-perception. Our stuff has the ability to alter our reality. I began to think that I was invincible from the police and speeding. And I, I don't know um, why, but it seemed like every time I, I passed a cop and I was going over the speed limit, they seemed to just look the other way. So I, I thought I was just invincible. Well, of course I was not. 
And that's dangerous. When your reality begins to be altered by your stuff. So the real crux of this month, the real question for us is, when is enough enough? How do you determine enough? So one day, Mr. Pumpkin was some sulking along. And one of his friends that he had, you know, brought along on this journey of his. Not a true friend, you know, one that'll stick by you. Comes up to him and says, you know, what are you anyway? Are you a vegetable or a fruit? And he pulls his hat off. And his friend says, and what is that thing on the top of your head? (laughs) And Mr. Pumpkin realizes that he had never found his answer. Through all of his iterations, through all of the jobs and the education and the money and the stuff and the car and the partying and the money and the friends and the influence, none of that made him any more of a pumpkin than what he had started out as. And he pondered his stem and thought about it and remembered that it was connected to a vine. The vine that was on the farm that he grew up in. And he remembered that farm and he remembered the ground from which he came. And he remembered the seed that he started as, began to realize that that seed was still in him. He let go of all of this stuff and realized that what makes a pumpkin a pumpkin is God. That he was perfectly a pumpkin before And none of this excess stuff changed that. When is enough enough? What makes you, you? There's an old shaker hymn that goes like this. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight when true simplicity is gained. To bow and to bend, we shan't be ashamed. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Amen.